Welcome back to Beards and Brews. Hey, if you haven't already, be sure to hit that subscribe button. It helps us out. Plus, you know when we have another one brewing. This week's movie is going to be Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Now, fellas, where were you when the drugs kicked in? Some, I was somewhere around Barstow when the drugs began to take hold. That's at the edge of the desert. Gotcha. Yep. I was uh, I was in the middle of a high-speed pursuit where I was being chased by Gary Busey. Oh, yeah. my God. That was the most uncomfortable thing I've seen in such a long time. <laughs> hey, that was going to give me a little kiss on the cheekbone. Oh, I'm lonely yeah. out here. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that was acting. <laughs> None of that felt fake. That was all genuine. Johnny Depp, I'm going to rape you. He's like, oh. And the fact that he like stood over him, I didn't think he was that tall. Now I know there's more Gary Busey out there than there was before. He's a big dude. Yeah. This uh, I'd seen this movie before, but it had been a while. I think I'd watched it maybe a couple times in my like early college or college years. But it's been probably a decade, decade and a half since I'd seen this. And woo, this is something, isn't it? Woo, indeed. I think would uh, I think it'll be like prime opportunity to go ahead and bang out the plot. So it's actually extremely simple. So yeah. you have Johnny Depp, which is basically Hunter S. Thompson, and then you have uh, Benicio. Del Toro is his uh, lawyer or whatever. Yeah, Dr. his attorney, Gonzo. Dr. Gonzo. Yep. Yeah, and they're just like trying to bang out this piece about the American dream while just fucking high as balls driving to Las Vegas. That's it. You say high as balls, but I think they were higher than balls. Said so like Balchinian balls? Balchinian. Okay, you can be high as balls on one drug. These guys had a serious drug collection. They even uh, mention it. They've got like a suitcase of just like all kinds of different things. And he says, once you get locked into a serious drug collection, the tendency is to push it as far as you can. And they do. But let's just talk about the narration in this film because it is just full of great quotes. Fuck yes. If there is just narration happening, tune in. It's important to listen because basically he's setting a quote for the next 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's also great with like cohesion because there's a lot of, I want to say nonsense in this movie, a lot of wacky visuals and it yep. just kind of ties it together because like if it just played out with like one nonsensical thing after another with zero context, I would be like, I don't want to watch this movie again. Yeah, you're right. And there's a lot of like little flashbacks too, like flashbacks to what happened, you know, a couple of years ago or flashbacks that happened like last night. You know, just to clarify a little matter here or there. Talking about those flashbacks, whenever he wakes up with a fucking recorder and a microphone taped to his body, <laughs> wearing <laughs> fucking knee-high waders and a dinosaur tail. Yes. His hotel room is flooded. Like, wow. And each of these points are introduced almost sequentially. Like, it just gets more and more absurd. Like, the fact, like, when he gets up and then that big-ass dinosaur tail, like, whips the camera, you're just like, what just happened? And, by the way, the movie never tells you. <laughs> so I know this was based on the book of the same title by Hunter S. Thompson. Are we supposed supposed to believe that this was based on actual events i i'm gonna go 100 that yes this is hunter s thompson's best creative remembrance of this event this was an actual account of this weekend in las vegas all right all right well i'm sure there's some artistic liberties that have been taken but all right i'll roll with it i mean if there was a point where he kind of forged something would you even know Yes, the line is so blurred, you don't know what is the real shit and what isn't, because they're driving down the fucking interstate, and he's being attacked by invisible bats and manta rays, while Benicio Del Toro <laughs> screamingly off-key sings, One toke over the line! 
<laughs> and he's the most sober of the two. Like he's the guy that winds up driving. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He pulls over and is like, "Hey, it's your turn to drive." And then a few minutes later, there's a hitchhiker that shows up just in the middle of the desert. By the way, where did Toby Maguire come from? Like on the spectrum they were riding on this point, seeing Spider-Man in the middle of a desert doesn't seem too far-fetched. No. But what did seem far-fetched was that fucking hairline, bro. Me and you oh, have had sex about this at work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, um, turns out, like, Toby McGuire didn't want to shave his head, and they tried to offer him all this money. He's like, no, nah, I just don't want to do it. So, like, all his, like, bald head and hair hanging around is all CGI. I give him Fun credit. Fact, it looks top-notch. I just thought it was a bad wig. I mean, whatever. Or, like, a, a good wig that got to where they wanted him to be. I don't know. One or the other. Now, this, to me, is where the movie starts to show you their inner thoughts because <laughs> we get a couple minutes of them just drug fueled madness mm-hmm. and then they get a stranger in their vehicle and they're sitting there trying to compose themselves and you watch as they systematically fall apart on screen and it's yeah. fucking wonderful it's just the way that johnny depp is like trying to soliloquy to himself then he realizes wait a minute was that in my head or was that blurted out loud and he kind of like I... checks himself checks toby mcguire he's like hmm you know what? I'm just going to hop in the back seat and yell at you. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, there's this weaving of Johnny Depp's character actually talking in the film and then his narration coming in over top to where at one point, you're right, he says, was that out loud? Yeah. Beautiful. And then the narration is there. And I don't know, man. It's just so I don't want to gush over this movie because in the long run, after you get done watching it, you go, well, that was fucking weird. But when yeah. you go back and you just watch the shit for segments or pieces, mm-hmm. each little vignette is fucking really cool. I think scenes like this are elevated by not necessarily knowing what it's like to be on those particular drugs, but like being in a headspace that's really close. So seeing him just like have the conversation with himself, I was just like, you know what? Same. Yeah. 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 And the opening scene is really, I feel like, super well known in comparison to the rest of this movie. Like there are a few quotes going forward that and a few scenes going forward that are well known. But, you know, everything that goes on in this opening scene is like, you know, I can almost quote it off the top of my head, only having seen it a couple of times before this. Yeah. We can't stop here. This is a bat country. That kind of thing. And you'll see it like on all kinds of T-shirts and whatever. But like what sells that fucking line is the entire situation. The movie stops cold music and everything. And then line and it's just beautiful. All the while you have Johnny Depp squirming around this car, swinging ferociously at the sky with a fly swatter. Yeah. <laughs> like the manic stuff is really fun, but it's just something about his just like overall physicality too because it looks like he lost weight for this movie he's super thin under a big hawaiian shirt he's just weird to see in this like lanky man just like go crazy yeah he's almost i know this is hunter s thompson the one now but he's almost a caricature of jim carrey oh yeah i can see that a little bit and i've never actually seen hunter s thompson in real life i've never seen him like in video or doing whatever i don't remember what era he passed away in was it like the 80s early 90s something like that no i think he lived up to like 2000 something did he really now 2005 2005 okay now, you said you've never seen him in person, things like that. I, I've never seen him in person, but I did watch an interview to show how kooky this fucking guy is. Mm-hmm. And he's got a neighbor living on an opposite ridge of a mountain. Oh, yeah. And they're, like, shouting at each other and literally firing guns during the interview at one another. The guy is shooting at him with a shotgun, and you can hear the buckshot raining into his house, like, just... 
you might not have seen any like material with the guy Chandler, but like Johnny Depp as this character is so fucking close. Performances like this like happen once every blue moon. It's so weird. Yeah, I can only imagine him doing complete justice to the role. But the next scene is where we really like start to see exactly what happened, where we get the setting and everything. We find out it is 1971. They're at a fancy hotel, and we find out through his lawyer that HQ, whoever that is that he's writing for, wants him to go to Las Vegas. He's going to check in with a photographer. They're going to cover this dirt bike race. Yeah. I don't know. It seems like a big deal then. The something 400. As they're waiting for the phone call, though, from headquarters, the little guy brings him the phone and then does the <clears throat> kind of like uh, Rob Schneider in Home Alone. Yeah. Fucking Johnny Depp. I can only hope that this was like ad-libbed or something. <laughs> just turns, looks him dead in the eyes, takes the tip, and just curmudgingly throws it off to the side like fetch. But my favorite quote from this scene is from Benicio Del Toro. He's, you know, being very professional. As your attorney, I'd advise you to rent a very fast car with no top. And you'll want the yes. cocaine. Dude, he does that the whole movie. He's like, you know, as your lawyer, I implore you to do whatever. And it's always just, like, increasingly ridiculous. Yeah, and we find out the drugs were easy to get a hold of in Hollywood, but the car was difficult. Uh, but they end up landing one just before they were going to leave. The comedy that you can get out of Johnny Depp in a car is stretched so far in this movie. I love it. Because, like, he just wants to, like, get in said car and leave. But, like, the world around him is just like, no, you got to do stuff. And he's just, like, always inching away from somebody trying to talk to him. Sir, you have to sign these forms. He's like, yeah. All right. Also, you got to take care. This is a rental. You're going to take care of it, right? Oh, yes, of course. It'll be fine. Speeds away and while the guy's still holding on to it. Yeah. <laughs> but the next thing that I have in my notes is... Then we ate some mescaline and went swimming. <laughs> this, whenever they decide to eat the mescaline and go down on the beach, you know, it's kind of cool because I've been in a very altered mind state and been underwater. Water, mm-hmm. while you're in a state like that, is absolutely incredible, so I get it. And Johnny Depp wearing the flag like a cloak <laughs> and Buffalo Bill dancing is amazing. Mm-hmm. I think this is like the only instance in the movie where somebody tripping in the movie is almost like stereotypically tripping. This is the first time. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to say. This is the first and probably last time in this movie where they're having a good time on drugs. Yes. Yeah. 100%. The rest is just pure survival. It's crazy. (laughs) But but we flash, I guess, forward back to the present. This is what they've been explaining to Tobey Maguire in the backseat. Meanwhile, old boy uh, Benicio del Toro fakes a heart attack. I think it was fake, right? I think he just needed more drugs because they give him smelling salts. And that gets them all chittery and shit. It's weird. Is that is that what it is? Smelling salts that they keep sniffing? Yeah. I never know. Like, they're, they're putting so many different things into their body, so many different things up their nose. I have no idea what they are. Anyway, he pulls out a pistol, hitchhiker freaks out and runs away. <laughs> he does. And I love that at this point, Tobey Maguire runs away because it's better to die in the desert than be in the yeah. car with these two loons. And I get it. They, they switch who's driving, and as soon as they take off, Benicio takes out a salt shaker full of coke, takes off the lid, so the ashes for Donnie just blow the fucking all back over him, but it's cocaine, and he goes, Do you see what God did to us, man? <laughs> he retorted something really clear. He's like, God didn't do that. Something, something, something. God didn't do that to us, man. You're a fucking narcotic agent. I knew it. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> yeah, the paranoia is starting to sit in for at least Johnny Depp, if not both of them. 
Now, those probably like a ton of money that like flew off the side of the car, but that doesn't even stop him because he just starts fucking licking the briefcase yes. that it all went on. And did you notice that there's a lot of reoccurring themes? Licking is one. Um, yep. They they bring up the adrenal gland and adrenochrome in just a moment. And there's a lot of foreshadowing for things that come back. And boy, oh boy, whenever we get to the second, well, probably like the third or fourth iteration of the licking, it's my absolute favorite one. The bathroom scene. Oh, fucking yeah. Christ. Yeah. Not like that's monumental, but like the only thing that I can remember in particular being like maybe a running gag is just midgets. For some reason, that just like yes. came back. There's always just like a little fella in like a precarious situation. And he always has like a telephone or he's bringing drinks. He's a server of some type. Yeah, By the way, what was that? Fantasy Island? The plane. <laughs> Yeah, exactly like that. By the way, Vern Troyer is in this. He has such a small scene, but it's so good. <laughs> there are so many, so many just like cameo appearances by people in this. Like, we'll get to them later for sure, but there's so many of them. He turns around and he's like, excuse me. And then he walks and gets under this dude's cloak in this perfectly timed walk transition turn thing and just disappears inside the cloak. And you go, that's yeah. fucking weird. Mm-hmm. It's one of those cool moments in the movie where, like, you react the same way as the main character. Like, oh, all right. Uh, when they get to the hotel that they're supposed to be going to, uh, you know, to document this race, this is one of another one of those memorable, super memorable scenes for me because this is when the mescaline really starts to set in, I'm guessing, because everything that we see is just warping. Everyone's faces start to warp. It's like the Black Hole Sun video almost. Ooh, you yeah, start seeing, that. like, this black mm -hmm. inky stuff pour out of the floor it's a trip man them trying to check in to this hotel is so fucking fascinating because mm -hmm. like they're just on two completely different levels the entire time mm -hmm. so like when johnny depp is just like out of his mind trying to like just assess the situation like five feet around him you see like this muted benicio del toro just like chewing into hotel staff <laughs> for whatever reason we don't even know why yeah at, at first he starts like screaming at yelling at a random old woman and johnny depp you can see he's kind of concerned about you know what you know what's going on you know and johnny depp is tripping balls here and then two minutes later benicio's just like at the concierge like oh the room's not ready well it needs to be ready in 20 minutes we'll be at the bar come get us just like completely straight for the most yeah. part and Man, oh man, do they do such a good job of depicting what it's like to be in an altered mind state? Yeah. Because he's talking to Benicio, Benicio's talking to him, and then he turns to look at some more people while he's talking, he turns around, and it's like he was never there to begin with. And then as soon as he's alone and realizes, oh shit, I'm alone, he starts to have a bad trip, and people turn into the lizard folk, and the ground starts yes. fucking... Yeah, there's like some weird like pornographic dinosaur scene for whatever reason. You're just like, hmm. The little bowl of pretzels on the bar turns into like mealworms. Oh, yeah. Like it flashed like all kinds of different like bugs or whatever. And he's I forgot what he said. It was actually really cool. I was right in the middle of a fucking reptile zoo and someone was giving them booze. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love how his instinct isn't even to be worried about the actual situation <laughs> itself, but what's fueling it. Yeah. yeah, and I love that even during this, his biggest concern is Benicio shows back up, he goes, just screams. The top of his lung, did you get the fucking golf shoes, man? <laughs> I don't even know <laughs> what the golf shoes were about. Because he can't I, walk through that muck without yeah. them. Like that, that whole little bit is kind of like odd in a good way because like he goes to the desk or whatever and he just starts, like being in that altered state, he's trying to like convey what he can remember vividly so he's just like saying all these buzzwords and terms and stuff like oh all inclusive ah yes yeah, sir and the lady just like look at him just like 
or what's yeah. your name? And he's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> when they get up to the hotel room, like the first order of business is we've got to get some room service up here. I need four goddamn shrimp cocktails, dude. Wasn't their order just like insane? It was, yes. but the only thing I remember is like he needs four shrimp cocktails. Because the bellboy was just like, oh, one giant meal. Oh, excuse me. I mean, two giant meals and four shrimp cocktails. I love that as a viewer, you're thinking, well, how much money are they spending? And by the time that this movie's almost over, he goes, I had to get the fuck out of there. The tab was outrageous. We had been running something like 29 to $36 an hour for 48 consecutive hours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like, the whole point of getting to this suite on time was that, you know, it was paid for. I guess all that room service was not paid for by whoever he was writing for, so... At, like, the beginning part of that, I thought, like, everything was built to them. That's why, like, they were just, like, outrageously ordering shit. Yeah, yeah like, at the... Fake names. Well, like, um, when they're still on the road, he says, it's imperative that we got to the hotel before the deadline for press registration. Otherwise, we might have to pay for our suite. So maybe the suite was covered, but not all the extras. Yeah, that's uh, kind of what I'm thinking. Oh, we thought the drinks for the band were free. Guess not. Now, uh, while they're in the room, this is one of my absolute favorite scenes because Dr. Gonzo is immediately like, room service. Fucking Johnny Depp is like, <laughs> televisions. And he starts watching all these war videos and he's like face to screen pressed and the TV's on a rolling cart and he's rolling it around like he's in the war. <laughs> and some dude just shows up and starts shooting. He goes, fuck, I'm hit. <laughs> <laughs> He starts scrambling around the floor and shit, and he hides behind a bar thing or something. And he just yeah. like just eyes and the tip of his nose above where you can see. And he's just like grappling the bar with his hands and like little spider motions. Yeah, yeah. That, and that's while his photographer is being let into the room to meet him, and he's over there talking about, "Oh man, this is going to be such a great race." They have Husqvarna and Kawasaki, and it's just like he's wearing <laughs> full battle fatigues because Johnny Depp yeah. just sees him as some insane soldier. I just love like no matter how insane he perceives the situation he's like oh, leave me alone <laughs> <Just> hiding <laughs> from it yeah yeah that sort of war footage kind of military thing that they've been showing on tv that comes back again and again as well that's yeah. a that's another recurring thing that uh, it's a little fun yeah like that in particular it, it did catch my attention because like by the end of it they've swapped like hotel rooms a couple times yeah and oh, like oh, each yeah. successive hotel room has more tvs with more footage for absolutely no reason. Mm -hmm. Like, there's no way Johnny W. like, oh, room service, give me more TVs. God damn you. You know? <laughs> not only do they have more TVs, but each room is progressively more and more destroyed. Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. Like, there's the, I think it's the middle one or something like that, the red one. Like, the bellboy in there is just yeah. like, hey, man, can you at least just give me the cart? <laughs> they fucking no, burnt no. a hole in the bed. <laughs> Oh, fucking shit. Now, the cream of the national sporting press, as he calls himself, is arriving at the race. Yeah. He's like, oh, get in the truck to do this report. And it's super dusty. It's like a fucking dust storm. It looks like Burning Man or something, which is really cool. Oh, yeah. It's absurd after a while because, like, it starts as, like, you know, you see the race and they're kicking up some dust. Of course, they're in the mm -hmm. desert. But it just turns into a full fucking desert storm. Like, it's so ridiculous. Like, he even has his, like, head wrapped. He's got the goggles on and everything. But stylistically, he has just a big enough hole where he can just put his little cigarette in. Yeah, and he's got, like, a, a mug of beer, too. Oh, my God. That mug of beer <laughs> is such a good tool because he's trying to protect his beer the entire time. And by the time he gets out of the Jeep and fires his photographer for zero reason, right. he yeah. just pours out mud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It pours out his, his mug of, it was beer, now it's just mud. 
I love how this movie never shows them in like any kind of walk of shame. Because like he's yeah. legitimately in the middle of fucking nowhere after he fires his photographer. Mm-hmm. No beer, no water, no anything. He's just like somewhere. And then in the next scene, he's just back. Dude, the fact that he goes and witnesses the start of the race, then bails, and mm-hmm. it immediately takes us to a montage of him cruising the strip with him narrating once again, mm-hmm. two good old boys cruising the strip in a candy apple red convertible, stoned, ripped. Good people. <laughs> <laughs> Sir, you can't park here. What? What do you mean? Is this place not appropriate for parking? Sir, it's the fucking sidewalk. <laughs> it's it's the, money. It's the best reveal in the whole fucking movie because, like, you made it seem like his reaction was right after that. It took the dude five fucking minutes to knock on Johnny Depp's fucking head. Like, hey, listen, dude, are you listening? You can't park here. Like, oh, oh, why not? And then it, like, zooms out and the car's right next to the fucking door. Yeah. He's even hit, like, the little valet ropes. Oh, Debbie Reynolds. I love her. We know her. Uh... Man, yeah, just, okay. it was just some, so, like, nonsense. <laughs> getting into the concert is a good scene, too, because Johnny Depp, once again, is too out of his gourd to convince people to let him in. So Dr. Gonzo goes on this mafioso-type tirade to threaten the guy. He's like, he convinces him to let us in, but we got to stand in the back quietly and not smoke. And, and they're immediately thrown out. Yes, yes. It's like, as yes. soon as the guy shuts the doors without even cutting to another scene, it's like one one thousand, two one thousand, three one thousand. They are being Boom. thrown out. <laughs> it's the, one of those things where, like, they go from, like, zero to sixty so quickly. Because, like, mm-hmm. they walk in this place barely sound. Like, sound enough to be like, you know what, I'm going to have a talk to your manager. Let me in. To just, like, them howling like madmen on the way out, being carried by, like, half a dozen dudes. The next uh, little vignette is they're yeah. at this <laughs> circus that's also a casino. It's not Circus Circus. It's like some what? tourist trap or something like that, you know? It's more like a like a psychedelic traveling carnival. If yes. I was actually tripping, I would not want to be anywhere near any of this. There Dude. is a trapeze birth and a wolverine. Yeah, I thought that started out as a dog, but once I saw it, it turned out to be a wolverine. So I don't know if that was, if that, was that a dog that he just thought was a wolverine? There's like a little bit where like they're at the bar on the carousel or whatever. And there's like completely motionless, you know, like this is just regular time. Mm -hmm. And then like all of a sudden they get up and everything just starts to move again. And that that whole fucking dissonance between Benicio Del Toro and Johnny Depp, like Johnny Depp kind of has it figured out, but like Benicio, not so much. Like I was getting motion sick just watching it. If I was there and inebriated, I would have vomited for sure. I absolutely love how Johnny Depp remedies this situation. He steps off. He goes, just come on, just money hop. It's just a little money hop. And he has to jump back onto it while Benicio is on his hands and knees trying to back <laughs> off. And yeah. he kicks off he of it. He just shoves him off. And he gets up and he goes, do you see that? Some son of a bitch kicked me in the back. And he's like, it must have been the old lady. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the line that I thought was curious was like, this is sort of in the middle of everything. I think before they even got to the the carousel, but he's like, "This is what America would have been like if the Nazis had won in the war." This is definitely the Sixth Reich. <laughs> I don't know what that means or is supposed to imply. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I don't know. Maybe it's implied like the more Reichs you have, the worse it gets. Also, Penn Jillette is there. Oh yeah, he's just, just he's he's a young man. It's weird. Yeah, but we find out you know they're starting to sober up a little. The ether is wearing off. The acid is long gone, but the mescaline mm. is running strong. <laughs> this off. is where they got to break into the room, and Benicio's like tearing everything apart with his ripped trousers. 
Oh yeah, um, does that does that like imply like his ass was hanging out the entire time? Yes. <laughs> and he he ends up having a like a like a buoy knife that he hid under the mattress, and now he's just like slinging it around at some grapefruits. He's having and a he's, time. It's only going to go downhill from here. He's reminiscing about the moment he met, you know, Cameron Diaz in the elevator and threatened that one man with a small knife. <laughs> yeah, he's like, he's slinging around a knife in the elevator, too. Uh, and afterwards, he's like, this is serious, man. She fell in love with me. The eye contact. The eye contact. Meanwhile, she is no doubt scared out of her gourd because this madman who was obviously high on something is slinging around a knife in an elevator that she is in. I mean, would you be not afraid if Nacho Libre just start almost throwing hands with you in an elevator? Oh my god, that is perfect. (laughs) This is like the unofficial sequel. Like, after his wrestling shit didn't work out, he just became strung out with Johnny Depp in Las Vegas. I'd watch it. I did watch it. So he leaves Benicio Del Toro in the hotel room like, hey, man, you're a little bit too high. Stay in here. I'm going to go down to the casino, maybe, you know, search for the American dream a little bit, do a little bit of gambling. But he goes back up to the room a little bit later and Del Toro is sitting in the bathtub, almost fully clothed, blasting some kind of music. That would be White Rabbit. Yes, this is this is another one of those key scenes. This is 100% where shit gets gonzo. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Or and speaking sure. of gonzo, thank you very much for that. What else would I have here today except from Flying Dog Brewing Company out of Frederick, Maryland? This is their gonzo imperial porter. This is a 10% alcohol by volume imperial porter, 85 IBU. So it's still supposed to have a, a good strong kick of hops in there. This is a strong boy. It's smooth, though, but this is strong. 10%, very boozy. Lots of chocolate. Lots of coffee notes in there. Dry, not too sweet. It's super smooth. Very much a meal in a glass. You probably only want one of these, especially if you're mixing it with, like, acid and mescaline. It's very good. (laughs) This, This is a very good beer. Props to you, Hunter. Well, at least you're not sitting in the fucking bathtub waiting for White Rabbit to peek so your buddy can toss in a record recorder. Yeah, and, you know, he has a little bit of thought about this. He's like, should I do it? No, no, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. But I'll tell him I'll do this so he'll shut up. I'm also going to fight him off with this shower curtain rod like fucking (laughs) Ahab. I am Ahab. I'll jam it right into your throat. I'll do it. (laughs) I fucking love this scene. All right. To frame it, there is a totally trashed hotel bathroom. Hunter S. Thompson character standing in the doorway. Benicio Del Toro in only his underwear and a t-shirt and a suit jacket? Sitting in a bathtub full of empty beer cans and grapefruit. Grapefruits. (laughs) He's like, I want you to throw that in here when White Rabbit peeks. Johnny Depp picks up a grapefruit and right when it peaks, it busts Benicio del Toro in the head, who then begins to fucking think he is being electrocuted. Johnny Depp flees the scene, running into the living room. Three seconds pass, and one of the most beautifully set up shots happens. There is a doorway in the the background. Johnny Depp is sitting foreground, trying to relax. The door explodes open to a soggy Benicio del Toro <laughs> holding a crocodile Dundee-sized knife. <laughs> Steam backlit pours out all around him, and he's like, <laughs> but he busts out with conviction because, mm-hmm. for whatever reason, I, he might have realized he got you know bamboozled. He's like, "Hey, bud, I carve a Z in your forehead." 
I just want to carve a little Z in your forehead. <laughs> yeah, we find out, we understand the acid had shifted phase on him. So while Hunter S. Thompson ignores the nightmare in the bathroom, <laughs> he lights up some crack. Is he smoking crack here? Is this crack? I think it's meth. meth. What do you I smoke out of light bulb speed? I thought it, I thought I it was know. crack. It's something super hard because it fucks him pretty thoroughly. Yeah. And this is another flashback scene we get. And honestly, this one isn't even like we don't need this at all. It's just a flashback to the summer of 1965, San Francisco. It's like the acid days. And then we get mm-hmm. a little cameo from Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Eh. You also get a cameo from the real Hunter S. Thompson. Oh, oh really? really? Yeah. He goes, what the hell am I doing there? And he turns and sees Hunter S. Thompson sitting at a table. Oh, oh, that's amazing. That's actually really cool. Yeah, because like I was completely disjointed because like when we get to like the whole like club scene that he flashes back to, which once more has nothing to do with the rest of the movie, I kind of checked out a little bit because none of this fucking mattered. Yeah, uh, this is the uh, the bathroom scene that you were talking about earlier, where he's like, oh God, I d- yes. he's he's far more straight laced at this point, but he's like, I decided to only eat half the acid, so he breaks open whatever he has, eats half a cap of acid, and then the rest is spilt on his sleeve. didn't he like wind up in some like fucking gross ass bathroom or whatever just like mid-trip and some dude walks in on him his fight or flight response was just to explain what the hell was on his sleeve (laughs) it's like yes this is acid and he's like i know what it is i'm gonna lick it yes and that is that he's like what's the problem he goes all this white stuff is acid and then lsd and then it just pans Hard cut to a guy walking in the bathroom, and he sees Hunter S. Thompson wearing a red flannel, and this guy just ferociously licking his arm. And the quote that is narrated over top of it is absolutely amazing. With a bit of luck, his life was ruined forever. (laughs) Or his life was ruined. Forever thinking behind every door, men in red woolen shirts are... (laughs) are getting incredible kicks from things he would never understand. <laughs> Why is this fleshed out so thoroughly? Like, that guy was clearly just fucking ruined. Like, just like, a, like, no matter what drug would have been spilt on his sleeve, that guy would have been up to lick it off. Yeah, his oh, buddy's yeah. like, hey, come to Vegas, have a good time. Goes into the bathroom. Oh, God, no. <laughs> that son of a bitch was right. <laughs> hey, listen, man, it's nothing sexual. It's not sexual, man. I just want to lick your sleeve a little. It's got some drugs on it. Just trying to clean it up. <laughs> now stick your fingers in. And, and after that, the decision to flee <laughs> comes suddenly. Yep. He gets the fuck out of there real quick. Uh, I mean, part of it had to do with like the $36 an hour room service bill for 48 consecutive hours. But I think he was just done. Uh, Dr. Gonzo had already left. I don't know where he was. He must have sensed the trouble. But he gets a, a telegram right before he leaves. I had a little bit of a trouble like catching up on this part because the movie kind of like flips back and forth with like Gonzo being somewhere else but also being mm-hmm. there at the same time. Yeah, even the, the guy that hands off the telegram is like, you know, we were a little bit confused because Dr. Gonzo is here, but he sent the telegram from Los Angeles, and that doesn't add up uh can we meet dr gonzo i love like his explanation is like oh you don't understand it's just it's just journalism thing it's like all some kind of code or whatever pay no mind to the hotel towels grapefruit Mm -hmm. and soap i have stashed in the back seat yeah just give us some more (laughs) towels and soap you know in the uh you know before you knock on the door or whatever he just casually kind of like stretched his neck just to make sure he doesn't see anything like it's Mm -hmm. obvious come on (laughs) 
So he gets on the road back to Los Angeles, driving through the desert, and still, I mean, obviously high as balls. And there's a cop coming up behind him. I don't oh. know where this cop came from. There's nothing but desert around him. But Officer Gary Busey. Yeah, and, we spoke about it a little bit at the very beginning, and boy, oh boy, I'm still fucking uncomfortable. Dude. It, it, he ends up pulling off, like, there's a little bit of a chase going on, and then he does a 180 into this little pull-off area, <laughs> and he stops and just gets out of the car like, what? What do you want? I'm here. <laughs> that whole bit's in the tune of, like, it's like, oh, they, they want you to pull over, but what you don't know is they want to work for it. So he just speeds faster, <laughs> he throws on his fucking lights and everything. He's like, no, no, no. He's like, I think so. I'm turning left, but I'm actually going to take a hard right. Oh, shit. Brace for the Gs. And then after he's pulled over, he's holding a beer can. And Gary Busey's character, I will say this, Gary Busey in this little bit is really good. He takes the can and just the the way the two bounce off each other is very good. You have the overly dry, straight character and you have the one who is just a fucking wiggly noodle of spaghetti and he's chasing him <laughs> around the car calmly, berating him. He knows what's up. He doesn't want to deal with it. And then at the end, he just makes him do something humiliating, and you just go, yeah, okay. Yeah, he tells him, you know, there's a rest area up ahead. What I want you to do, listen, I could take you in, but also you could just go up there to the rest area, pull over, take a nap for a couple hours, you know. God, man, that whole fucking bit. Like, because it, it eases into it, because, like, you go to this rest stop, sleep it off. It's okay, dude. You know, like, whatever. You know, that could be a thing. But then, like, he starts getting closer and mentioning it more, like, you know, up front. It's like, before you go get a kiss like Gary Busey is in this film for all of like three minutes but I can't imagine anyone else playing that character David Arquette from Ready for Rumble <laughs> oh no David Arquette like objects a, he's gonna be like a full foot shorter than Gary Busey here that and if it were him it would come off as like I don't know pedophilic Dude, you want to talk about pedophilic? The Do whole preternatural relationship between Christina Ricci and Dr. Gonzo's character? Like, oh, yeah. how, old, how old is Christina Ricci supposed to be in this? Because to be honest, she's kind of fine. Well, uh, wee -woo -wee -woo. she's young enough that Johnny Depp's character is like, get her the fuck out of here. She was 18. I'm looking it up on IMDb. She was 18. Like, I think your question was, like, what's her character supposed to be? Yeah. Well, cause... she's in art school or an artist or something. I don't know. Well, shit, I'd hate for her to get kicked out of that place. It's like a 7th or 8th rank. <laughs> Johnny Depp's character, Mr. Thompson there, even sees how disturbing this is. And he's like, listen, dude, you're going to get us in a lot of trouble. He's like, no, nah, it's fine. He goes, oh, you know what? If you're going to do this kind of shit, let's up it to the umpteenth level. Let's do $50 to let these pigs gangbanger. And then... <laughs> He has all kinds of figures too. Like, oh, we can do like a thousand in a night. Hell, two or three thousand of our cards are right. So how yeah. we got to this point was he's on the road, all right. He calls his lawyer and is like, "What, dude? What's going on? What the fuck?" And he's like, "What? You didn't get my uh, my telegram?" And he's like, "What telegram? Oh yeah, this. Oh, uh, I got you a hotel room at the Tropicana or some some hotel. Uh, we want you to write for the district attorney's conference on narcotics and dangerous drugs." And he gets there and he's just in like a, a hotel, absolutely full of narcs. Yeah. That's how we get to this point. It just randomly happens that Christina Ricci is there in the oh. hotel room with Benicio Del Toro, who was back in Vegas, by the way, not in L.A. at all. Yeah. I'm just super glad that Johnny Depp's Hunter S. Thompson is basically us in the situation. Like, 
come on, Benicio del Toro, this is fun. Yeah, he's just like, yeah. uh, I'm a little bit confused because I was not expecting you to be here, and I definitely wasn't expecting this little girl to be here either. I love that they load her into the car and ditch her into another taxi at some <laughs> wedding chapel just to fucking get rid of her, and the yeah. first thing Benicio del Toro says is, I got a powerful hankering for some red salmon. <laughs> Is that a euphemism? I don't know. Is he just hungry? Does he want a, one of those legendary Las Vegas buffets? Maybe he's just after some red snapper. I don't know. Red Bingo. snapper. <laughs> the fucking room they're staying in is like hot pink. Totally actually doesn't fit the tone of the rest of the movie. It almost feels like they got teleported to the 1960s for whatever reason. Yes. It's, it's a very weird setting, but they destroy it. And it doesn't matter anyways mm-hmm. because... No. They start doing heavy drugs and go to the fucking DA convention where Benicio (laughs) ditches fucking Johnny Depp. And Johnny Depp is sitting there listening to this convention. They're like, you can tell the drug abuser because he'll have cum stains from the need to constantly jack off between rape victims. He looks down and has to scratch off the cum stain on his pants. Well, they're like uh, at this symposium, this talk that they're going to, they're sitting there like snorting bumps of coke in the symposium hall like Mm -hmm. come on out of all this like if you could take anything away they definitely made a friend with the customer service at the fucking door oh yeah yeah by the way that was chris maloney from law and order svu fam who looks suspiciously like john ham in this (laughs) it's the hair i don't know yeah so once they get done at the symposium they go back and fucking christina ricci's calling and he has to fake uh, a home invasion? Yeah, I have no idea what happens here. I think that was his way just to kind of break up with her, for lack of a better term. He's like, oh, like, instead of just saying, like, hey, sayonara, I'm gonna make up this, like, wild fucking story about how somebody broke in and beat the shit out of me, possibly killing me. But the way, like, I'm putting it off is super blasé. This dude is hamming it up. Like, oh, 2,000%. Yeah, meanwhile, they're back there, and uh, Johnny Depp's character is freaking out a little bit. Benicio Del Toro's character... As your attorney, I'd advise you to take a hit out of the little brown bottle in my shaving kit. So, you know, he's still kind of wigging out. He goes over to his shaving kit, takes it, and is like, androchrome? First of all, I don't know what that is. Evidently, it's some kind of, like, adrenaline metabolite. I don't know, something along those lines. But he says that it makes mescaline look like ginger beer. You know, he emphasizes, you know, basically a little goes a long way. He goes to the bathroom, he like takes like a drop, but then he takes it out with him to the room and he just continues to consume it and you're just like, Man, this is probably gonna end awfully. Maybe another this little drop. This is like the next twenty minutes of the movie is just them waking up from what this drug has done. He starts having this demonic vision of Benicio del Toro changing into a beast with breasts upon its back, and he's like, Nice fucking tits man. <laughs> He's fucking freaking out. And Benicio's so calm. He goes, you took too much, man. Too much. Too much. He looks like a big-tittied Krampus. Oh, Oh, man. Nice. Absolutely. And, like, Johnny Depp's, like, crawling all around the bed and stuff. And he winds up just falling off and just kind of, like, crumpling on the floor and shit. You've also got, like, Richard Nixon's face coming through the sky because that's, like, an image that he saw on the television screen. And let me tell you, I've been there on this one. Now, they wake up. And they start, well, he starts, Johnny Depp's character starts recanting the night before of all these crazy things where they bought an orangutan and it went wild and bit off (laughs) the bartender's hand. And then you get a moment (laughs) where they're discussing 
all the different things that they were doing. They went back to that fucking circus <laughs> and went bananas there. And he's come home now, and they're both coming down. <laughs> and it it goes from this entirely lighthearted movie about drug abuse and just, you know, kooky fun to a very fucking dark scene where mm-hmm. they go into a diner to try to come down. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah Benicio Del Toro probably does his best work in this movie in this scene because... You know, they're at the counter, clearly at a place that's, like, closed. There's just, like, one waitress there, whatever. They're trying to eat. He's ordering all this shit. And she's being, like, passive-aggressive in a way. It's, like, clearly, like, come on, man, just go, you know, whatever. And he starts yelling at her, starts threatening her in this, like, strung-out way, just making Mm. everybody uncomfortable. Like, Hunter S. Thompson, certainly the lady, but, like, even the audience. I was just like, man, this is completely mean-spirited well he like slips her yeah. a napkin that says backdoor beauty question mark like you gonna <laughs> let me you gonna let me hit that butthole you know i don't know <laughs> i don't know what he's Emphasis. trying for here <laughs> not to bring that up it definitely feels like either we're fucking or i'm fucking <laughs> yeah. yes and he doesn't like the rejection she's like look dude i don't have to put up with this shit he cuts the phone off the wall, throws it at her. He's like, you gonna call the cops now, bitch? And it, it's seriously like a dark, dark turn. And he goes, how much for the lemon ring pot? And, you know, she's on autopilot and fear. Johnny Depp is sitting there. It's really weird because you can see that he's not into the abuse, but he also is very into his newspaper and the idea of the small steak on his plate. <laughs> no, he was all about the yeah. steak because, like, you know, he totally realized the situation is totally fucked. Benicio's gone, so he's there by himself, and he's just kind of like, and he just picks up his plate full of food, goes through the door, he's like, wait a minute, this isn't right. Uh, I don't know. Puts it back. The big thing that he's worried about is taking the plate. Yeah. I just love that little moment so much. Just because it totally deflates everything. Like, this was a serious, like, hardcore, mean-spirited moment. And he's like, uh, steak? No steak. All right, no steak. Have a good one. Yeah, I thought this was going to turn into that scene from Natural Born Killers or something. Yes. Yeah. But they get out there, they're, you know, they roll out of there, and we realize that he's only got 15 minutes to get his attorney to the airport for whatever reason, so he just floors it. Uh, I guess so, because, like, they're, they're, like, calling ass on the highway. He's like, no, the airport's over there! And he looked to the left, and it's, like, legitimately right there. Uh-huh. And, like you said, he drives into the airport through the fence, and, like, all the shit stuck to the front of the car like Looney Tunes. Yeah, yeah, he drives pretty much straight up to the plane. There's yeah, like, like cactus, cactus bits and, tum- and tumbleweeds and shit. Fence stuck to it. Sparks are flying off. As he's letting Benicio out, there's such a good quote. He goes, yep. there he goes. One of God's own prototypes. Never considered for mass production. Too weird to live. Too rare to die. die. <laughs> you, you know what's really weird about that? Just because I was curious after the fact if these are real people. And they were. Mm-hmm. Uh, that guy disappeared off the face of the planet. Oh, really? Yeah, in like 77. He was just never seen from again. Wow. I gotta look that up then. That's that's pretty interesting. I'm sure there's some uh, YouTube videos out there about this fella. Whole conspiracy like theory. Yeah. yeah. The ending of this movie finishes up with uh, Hunter back in his hotel room alone in this dark, chaotic mess of a room, just typing up all the thoughts that he's telling us that he's narrating to us on his little typewriter, and then yeah. he drives back to L.A. Finn. Yeah, and scene. It's so weird that the movie ends so abruptly. Like, yeah. um. I remember seeing this movie before, and it was kind of, I was really young. It kind of scared me. And, like, I never understood why there was nothing in this movie. And to, I guess in my head, to enjoy this movie properly, I was just like, you know what? There doesn't have to be any kind of story arc or anything. This is just a slice of life of Hunter S. Thompson. That's it. 
Like, this is just like a week. Yeah, and you're right. There is no character arc. There's no plot arc. This is just a series of unfortunate events for Hunter S. Thompson. And man, it's a chaotic mess. It's fun in times. It's kind of scary in times. It's almost always entertaining. There are some there are a few spots in it that I'm like, all right, I don't know what's going on. I guess that doesn't matter. This doesn't feel like a complete movie, but it's kind of a constantly entertaining mixture of vignettes. I'm fine with it. It's not great, but uh, but I enjoyed it. I would never watch this uh, elevated, though. Like, this is this is something to watch sober for sure. Well, for me, like, this movie is like if you took an entire miniseries and just took the high points of it and smashed it into two hours. It's got good dialogue. The acting throughout by Benicio and Johnny Depp is always rewarding. Yeah. And I will never not have a good time talking about this movie. Watching it is whatever. But mm-hmm. talking about it, I always have a smile. Well, there you have it. That's Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. If you have any strong feelings about the movie or the show, leave it in the comment section below. Make sure to hit the like and subscribe buttons. Be sure to hit the little bell icon, too, so you don't miss what we got brewing up next. Get out there and follow us on all of our social medias. we got that Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Reddit. We're on the YouTubes. We've got, uh, thanks to the Anchor app, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. So there's no reason you guys aren't listening. So do it before I get all fucked up and carve a little Z in your forehead. As a podcast, neither like condone any kind of substance abuse. Um, something, something. I fucking will do acid, kids. <laughs> I'll, I'll accept that, that moment. On the end. 